0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The saying goes, there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. Experienced aviators do not leave much to chance. They prepare carefully, often using a Pre-flight checklist before taking off or even before starting the engines they'll go over everything all the control surfaces the fuel volume and pressure and even that there aren't any loose objects that might bounce around in the cockpit during the flight before landing they will use another checklist and during the flight they continually check the switches and the lights and the gauges Why do people with so much experience need to check everything so thoroughly each time? It's because if you miss something, it could cost you your life. Once you are speeding down the runway or high in the air, you don't want to realize then that you've forgotten something very important. So every good pilot, no matter how experienced, goes over a checklist for takeoffs and for landings. In the epistle lesson from one of the Apostle Paul's letters to the church at Corinth, God gives us inspired guidance to prepare for the Lord's Supper. We could say that it is a pre-communion checklist of sorts. Now, it doesn't matter if we have come to the Lord's table for one year or for 60 years, or even if we are still preparing to come for the first time. Each of us is in equal need of preparation, so that we are blessed by our eating and our drinking, and not harmed by being improperly prepared. A checklist for receiving the Lord's Supper does not have to be long or complicated, but it is very important. God's instructions that it is sinful to receive Jesus' body and blood in an unworthy manner is a reason that we ask those who do not yet share our understanding of Holy Communion to refrain from receiving it until they are properly instructed and received into our fellowship. They are to agree with what is taught and confessed about the Lord's Supper and also about the many other things regarding Christ. Closed communion is not about excluding anyone. It's about protecting them. It's also very important for us to continually ask the question, am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? As Lutheran Christians, we allow the Word of God to interpret itself. We look at the context in in which a prophecy or a command is given. Now among the many problems facing the Christians at Corinth, Paul had to address their reception of the Lord's Supper. They had become careless in the way that they received Holy Communion. They had forgotten what Paul had taught them about it. So he went over again what Jesus had said. He reviewed the purpose and the content of this sacramental eating and drinking. On this Monday, Thursday, we have a special opportunity to recall Jesus' own words about his supper. Our liturgy, especially the preface and the words of institution, also helps us to review the purpose and the content of the eating and drinking. Before we come to his table, we must answer the question, Am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? Under that question, these verses from 1 Corinthians direct us to three additional thoughts. First of all, do I have faith in Jesus' words? Second, do I remember what Jesus has done? And third, do I recognize what I am going to be receiving? The first thing Paul did in his attempt to get the Corinthians to consider how they prepared to receive the Lord's Supper was to take them back to Jesus' own words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Did the Corinthians have faith in these words of Jesus? Did they believe that Jesus' body was being given into death for them? Did they trust that his blood sealed God's covenant with them? If they did, then they would be blessed by their eating and their drinking. Jesus' body and blood would work for the forgiveness of their sins and strengthen their faith that their sins were indeed truly forgiven. If they did not believe his words, then the Lord's Supper would not be a blessing unto them. All those who commune must ask themselves if they have faith in Jesus' words. Every time we receive the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the words of institution that Jesus spoke. But perhaps our ears have grown deaf. Do we hear Jesus say, for you and for the forgiveness of your sins? Or do we just go through the motions, chomping and chewing, sipping and swallowing? Is it enough just to believe in general that there is forgiveness of sins? No. We cannot choose and disregard how God has chosen to deliver. Is it really necessary to believe that there is forgiveness of your sins in the sacrament? Yes, it is, because Jesus said that there is. Each time that we eat and we drink as Christ has commanded, we must ask if we have such faith in Jesus' words. Picture it this way. You're in a burning building. All the exits are blocked by fire and you seemingly have no escape. On the street below are firefighters holding a safety net. The chief tells you that if you jump, they will catch you. To escape death in the fire, you must not only trust the net and those holding it, but also the promises spoken by the chief. So in the Lord's Supper, you must trust the precious words of Jesus. He said, "...given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins." Through the faith that is worked in us by the Holy Spirit, we are able to say, yes, I believe that the body and the blood that I receive in the communion with the bread and the wine are for me and for the forgiveness of my sins. After addressing the communicant's faith in the words of Jesus, Paul focuses on the second purpose of communion. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Following Jesus' own words, do this in remembrance of me, Paul calls on the Corinthians to consider what it is they were doing when they ate the bread and drank from the cup. Did they remember what Jesus had done? For that matter, do we remember what Jesus has done for us through His suffering and His death? Do we recall His innocent life given as a payment for our sins? When Jesus first instituted Holy Communion, He had gathered with His disciples for the Passover meal, remembering when the Jews were in bondage in Egypt. Through Moses, God had warned Pharaoh to let His people go, but Pharaoh refused. So God sent death upon the land of Egypt. Miraculously, this death passed over the Jews who had trusted God's Word and smeared the blood of an unblemished lamb around the door frames of their houses. God then commanded His people to remember what He had done by regularly eating a special meal similar to that first Passover. In that way, they would remember and they would proclaim to each generation the greatness of God's salvation. For the same reason... Jesus commanded his disciples to frequently gather for the meal of the New Covenant, the New Testament. They would remember what he had done, and they would proclaim it to each other, to their children for generations to come, and to the world. The Greek word that the Holy Spirit had Paul use in these verses is very revealing. One theological dictionary defines it as an act done in order to remember. In other words, Jesus told us to participate in communion for the purpose of remembering what He has done for us. We do what Jesus commanded in order to remember what He has done for us. Before we come to the Lord's Supper, let us consider it carefully. Do we remember what Jesus has done for us? Do we trust Him as our sacrificial substitute, the sinless Lamb who died in our place so that death would pass over us as well? When we are led by the Holy Spirit to remember all that Jesus has done, then we are better prepared for the Lord's Supper. We are then able to eat it and drink it for the good purposes for which He intended it. The last item on that spiritual checklist focuses on what we receive when we eat the bread and drink of the cup. Many of the Christians at Corinth weren't being blessed in their communing because they did not recognize what they were eating and drinking. Paul writes, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. A pilot who skips the checklist and forgets to put down the landing gear is in for a rough and dangerous landing. In a similar way, someone who communes without recognizing what is being received puts himself or herself in grave spiritual danger. So again, we are led back to our main question. Am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? The Apostle would have us answer that by asking if we recognize what we receive in the Lord's Supper. Once again, it is helpful if we look at the context of these words. In the chapter before this lesson for today, Paul asked the Christians at Corinth, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Paul knew the answers to these questions, of course. In fact, Paul used words that indicated he was expecting yes answers. A person who communes receives the body and the blood of Christ in communion with the bread and the wine. The real bodily presence of Jesus with the bread and the wine makes the sacrament the blessed meal that it is. A believer can taste and see that he or she is forgiven. But how is this possible? How can we receive the glorified body of our risen Savior with a bite of bread and a sip of wine? We aren't told how. And it's arrogant for us to demand of God that He satisfy our curiosity. And our puny little minds could not understand it, even if we were told. In the Lord's Supper, a miraculous mystery occurs. Faith trusts Jesus' words about this. Unbelief doubts them, rejects them, or tries to explain them away in an intellectually acceptable way. Yet it would be a tragedy to reject this teaching and this blessing just because we cannot understand it. We don't let our lack of comprehension interfere with us or prevent us from receiving benefits of other things in life, do we? Why then let it happen with the sacrament? For example, how many of you really, really understand how a car works? Most people probably don't. Does that prevent you from using a car or receiving the benefits of it? Not at all. Can you explain what electricity is? Can you explain how electrical current runs for miles and miles through wires? Can you explain how it gives us light, heat, or power to run things? Just what is electricity, anyway? Very few people can really explain it. But all of us enjoy its benefits. And it would be foolish for us to say, Well, I don't believe in electricity because I can't explain it, so I won't use it same can be applied to the Lord's Supper. Let's carry that illustration one step further. How about the wires that bring us electricity? When the switch is turned on, do the wires turn into electricity so that they are no longer wires but just look like wires? No. The wires are still wires. Do those wires somehow represent or symbolize electricity? No. Yet is electricity actually being delivered through them? Of course there is. In a similar way, in, with, and under the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, we truly receive Christ's body and His blood. Am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? I am if I recognize what it is I receive when I commune. At the powerful word of our Savior, we receive His body and His blood with the bread and the wine that we eat and drink. A good pilot goes over the checklist because it's serious business. Forgetting something can be deadly. Once the checklist has been completed, then the pilot can proceed confidently. These words from Paul's letter to the Corinthians serve as our checklist for communion we've asked the question, am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? And under that question we have asked, do I have faith in Jesus' words? Do I remember what Jesus has done? Do I recognize what I will receive? The Holy Spirit enables us to answer those questions. Yes, I believe in Jesus' words. He says that His body and His blood are for me. It assures me that my sins are forgiven. It provides forgiveness of sins. Yes, also, I remember what Jesus has done. I remember what His death means, and I proclaim it. And yes, I recognize what it is I receive. Together with the bread and the wine, I receive Christ's body and blood. With those answers, we can then answer the bigger question, am I prepared for the Lord's Supper? Yes, in spite of my sins, in spite of my unworthiness, Jesus prepares me and Jesus serves me. And for that I give thanks. Amen.